This is a Kirkendall Barrett presentation, darling. <laughs> you can touch it if you want. Ladies, if you want to meet a man, check your storage cloud. Come on, Kendall, take off your shirt and go camera shopping at Best Buy. Good shirt. That's not bad shirt. Like. Yeah. Well, it was gratuitous. Yeah, it was. I like a good grizzled man sometimes. A lifetime of Hallmark. Well, hello, everybody. It is your favorite day of the week. It is time for another episode of A Lifetime of Hallmark, where we talk about your favorite movies on Lifetime, the Hallmark Channel, and other places, too, and try to make sense of them. I'm Les Kirkendall Barrett. Hello, Jason Bowers. Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett. And hello, Kurt Fitzpatrick. Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett, and hello, Jason Bowers. Well, it's been a while, yeah, gentlemen. A couple of weeks. It's been a we've couple never, of weeks. Yeah. We've never really explained, explained to the audience how we're kind of branching out. I thought we explained it last time. No, we didn't really Not get really. into the why. We just said that we're doing stuff from other places. Well, do you want to explain why, either one of you? I'll, I'll take a crack. Uh, yes. So it, it, it's I, I, it's a combination of things. It stemmed from the fact that I've been very pressed with time, with with my job and other things in my life, and we all have been, and we have been recording as often. And for me, it's just felt like a slog as of late to always watch a Lifetime or Hallmark movie, especially if it ends up being a bad movie. So I'd requested that maybe we could do some things that are shorter, some because we talk about a lot of like random pop culture things. So that's why I, uh, the last episode we did the um, uh, the pilot for Jennifer Slept Here, uh, but also this coincides with the uh, the SAG AFTRA and the writers' strike, where um, actors aren't supposed to be out there promoting uh, uh, shows and and movies that were. Uh, done under the contract until a new contract is to be had. And we're all in uh, in at least one of those unions. And so this is a way to uh, sort of talk about stuff that's not really in, in the pop culture lexicon anymore. And, and it's interesting because I listen, you know, I am an avid podcast listener. And I also listen to like radio that revolves around pop culture and TV shows. And, you know, I listen to Radio Andy, which talks mostly about Bravo shows. And a lot of the podcasts and podcasters and like radio shows are complying as well and not promoting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the, yeah. the, 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 the guests can't yeah. come on and promote a show where, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say that we're promoting Jennifer's Left here at the show. You know, it's a 40-year-old well, show. We found it's it on YouTube. But if, but if we were to talk about, like, a current Hallmark or Lifetime movie, we would be promoting. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Well, I guess, like, we couldn't have someone like our friend Meredith Thomas on the show right now because she can't really she, – she shouldn't be – We could have her on. She just wouldn't work. be able to talk about her, she can't her talk work. About it. Yeah. yeah. Right. We could have her on, right? So, so, so we're we're branching out and doing like pop culture things. I could see us. I I think at some point we we I could see us doing like a Hallmark film or a Lifetime. Of course, film oh, yeah. This future. is this is not the end of of uh, the podcast as uh, people know it. I, this is just a way for us to 
sort of take a little side road this summer while things are a little weird in the industry and things are weird with our schedules and see where it takes us. And the thing is, like, the podcast, like, a lot of podcasts are kind of doing, because of this, they're doing the same thing and trying new things and just trying to figure out, uh, like, doing other things since they can't promote or can't. So, you know, this is, this. so we're basically, we're on trend right now. Oh, okay. We're, I think, I feel like we're leading, we're leading the trend. Leading. Yes, we are. Yeah. And, and, and We've done this before, heard- too. Yes, Pardon. we're ahead of our we 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 are ahead of our time. We're ahead ahead of our time because we've actually had some pop culture episodes where we just discussed different things going on. And, yeah, yeah, we did the Jack A yeah. pilot a while ago. That's right. Yeah, right. And and you know, and, and like you know, I personally, so I can announce now oh, what yeah. I've been hedging around for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, actually, I can talk about this, so this is the, the news. Thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the news sounder, Les. Les, Les Kirkendall Barrett has a huge announcement. So, I, and this is, this is theater, so I can talk about it, because uh, it's a different union. Yes, true. So I wrote a show that I've been touring with for the past few years called The Real Black Swan, Confessions of America's First Black Drag Queen. It's literally the story of the first drag queen in the U.S. who was a former slave who became the queen of drag in the late 1800s. And I've been touring with it for a while, and my show actually got picked up here in L.A. um, by a major theater. Uh, It's called The Celebration Theater, it's one of the oldest LGBTQIA theaters in the country. Um, it's an equity theater. And so basically I've leveled up and they've, they've hired a team and have put a lot of money behind it. And my show is opening on August 31st. Woo! That is, that is very exciting and I'm so happy for you. That's, that, that's a Thank big you. fucking deal. It really truly is. I hope it gets some industry out. I hope somebody comes. I thought, I was thinking, hmm, who do I know? Because you could get like a Netflix special or something oh, like well, that. Like, why like, not? The, you will absolutely get um, people in, in the industry, in this town, that will see your show that might be able to open some doors for you when it's time. And, and that's what I'm hoping. And I'm hoping since... Everybody's got time on their hands right yeah. now. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. Well, this should be good. Like my my friend Byron, he um I think he co-wrote a Byron show. Allen? No, Byron Lane. Uh by, I I have met Byron Allen though. But By Byron Lane uh co I think co-wrote a show called Tilda Swinton uh answers an ad on Craigslist and it did a I really Yeah, yeah, did a huge run here at the Celebration Theater uh and ended up doing an off Broadway Broadway run too. I think they even maybe even played in the West End in London. Uh like it it that he got a lot of play out of that. So there's there's things waiting for you less. I was thinking uh, I was realizing, oh, I know people in the industry. I didn't realize it until I started thinking about who I could send to less a show. Then Why haven't I called these people before? I, I do. I think I know someone. I, I do. I did know someone. Is it was in Netflix. So she's in L.A. So I'm Zander. definitely going to get her there. Zander. I know, and I, I realize I know like a kind of like a high executive. It, I know an HBO executive who's pretty high up, but she's not coming. 
And, and we have She's not coming to anything. Unless she's not even, she's not on the West, West Coast anyway. Even if she was, I don't know if we, we get her out. But we have a mutual friend who's been trying to milk her, is trying to get her to give her opportunities for like years. And she, she's not budging? No. <laughs> like she's like i'm not buying so kurt that means she ain't coming so but the netflix supposed, uh individual I, way come that's right i was supposed to be in indiana right now but because of this i had to like pull out of uh the indianapolis fringe festival for good reason but and, and i i officially did it i did it in writing i talked to them but as of uh, yesterday, I'm still <laughs> supposed to be there. <laughs> they didn't email, change anything. It says less as well. I will be there. I have my own opening. My, in fact, I think I open the same time as your show does on a much lower scale. I'll be, but, I'll be at the Indianapolis Fringe Festival. Yeah. But I'm bummed, Kurt. I was going to warn all the gay bars that you were going to be there. You can still go. Okay. I was gonna have it's the gaze out. I was gonna have the gaze out to lure you in to the metro. I'm very flattered that the gaze would be so invested in me. Yes, <laughs> Kurt, you should hey, come out to LA to see Leslie's show. Yeah, pretty good. Oh my gosh! By the way, you you two. So I I know I'm late to the game, but over the past few weeks, I have become obsessed. Obsessed with that show, Only Murders in the Building. Have you two seen that show? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not the, the, there's a new season, which probably only has a couple episodes. I have not seen that, but the other, sh the other episodes I've, I've seen. I watched part of season one. I, I need to go back and, and get into it. Like, I'm on season one. Like, I just, like, I'm on season one. Like, I'm just finishing season one now. And this is how obsessed I've become. I thought the other day, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if Kurt came and visited, Jason threw a party, and someone dropped dead so we'd have a murder mystery to solve, and then we could switch our podcast to a murder mystery podcast? That would not be funny, no. Well, <laughs> so it was, the, the prospect so of somebody dying dead. at a party that I'm hosting does not sound like a ha-ha situation to me. Well, Someone we knew, it would be like a random. Even worse. There. Even worse. A random. It wouldn't and be then, someone you like. And then it would be like, no, it wouldn't be like it'd be a random. No. And then it would be like, you know. That's harrowing. No. How they die. Okay, does they it, wouldn't, does, does they wouldn't die in happen? your house. They die like out front, like in the street. I mean, <laughs> as long as I don't have to deal with it. Like it wouldn't be, so it wouldn't be in your house. It wouldn't be in your apartment, but it'd be out like, um, like the street. Like, but I don't, I don't want to be questioned or anything. I want no part of this. No, 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 no. It would happen like out on the, of course. It, I won't, I won't reveal your street, but it would happen out on. No, no, street. no. I, I understand what you're saying. But what I'm saying is it, if the whole premise of this is if uh, we're Kurt's here and we're throwing a party and this person was at the party, we're going to be questioned about this. I don't want to be questioned well, okay. so about I'm a murder of a rando. I'll, I'll change it. So they won't make it inside of the building, <laughs> but it would happen like out front. No, but like, no, no. I want no association to this rando that's going to randomly get murdered on my street. What? But we can be detectives. I'm going to get blamed no. for this because this is the first party I've arrived to and somebody's dead. Yeah. 
You're not a detective, though. It doesn't work like in the Hallmark movies, Celeste. You can't just go snooping through people's shit. You know, I got to tell you, and only murders in the building, I loved the snooping on that show. They snooped, they snuck into people's apartments. All sorts of stuff. Thank goodness you're watching something of quality. Well... I didn't, well, rethink it. Think it through. I've thought it through. I'm good. I, Does the person getting murdered, do they have a say in this? Uh, no. Well, no. well, the thing <laughs> is, without, without revealing spoilers, the murderer, Ooh, I literally, when we found out who the murderer was in, in Only Murders in the Building, I literally stood up and applauded because... It was crafted so well. Okay. Okay. So you've watched season one, then? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's a it's a thought. It's okay. a thought. Okay. I'm, no, it's good you know, I'm glad you like the show. I want no part of this murder scenario. But Kurt, you do need to come and visit murder. soon. I I want to. Have you noticed Heart we've been sending away. you pictures every time we go to the Abbey? Now we send you pictures of cake. Yeah. I know it's hard for me to, and they're going to remain open, right? Wasn't there some? Uh, well, they they've been sold now. Sale? They've been sold. Okay. Right, but I think if the back. people were smart, I hope they're smart enough just to keep it, like keep it. I it I suspect that they will, uh, given the the sort of name that that place has, and the you know the the amount of alcohol sales they do must justify their existence like they're they're packed on weekends they're a big venue at one point i don't know if this is still true but they were one of the purchasers uh largest purchasers of vodka in the world Mm -hmm. uh so given that it does seem like it mints money yeah so i think if they were smart if they're smart they'll keep it the way it but sometimes people will spend uh, billions and billions of dollars on a social media platform and then do everything they can to uh, not reap any uh, <laughs> of that investment back. That's a diggity yeah. one. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking yeah. about it. Well, I'll definitely come out. While I'm out, I'll probably take some big Hollywood meetings. Yeah. Take a meeting with uh, Stephen Canal about our sitcom alive? I'll be doing. My sitcom I'll be doing with uh, Roxanne Shante. Uh-huh. And uh, some other projects. Well, speaking of projects, <laughs> speak, speaking of speaking of projects, my sitcom with Roxanne Shante doesn't get any kind of. Uh, well, that's a project. Okay. I, I don't. Right. I don't know who that is. Oh, I don't know who that is. I don't get the reference. Someone, I just assumed Roxanne it was someone you guys knew. No, no, she, there's a song Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO, and Roxanne Chante came up with Roxanne's Revenge. And there was even a movie about Roxanne Chante's life on Netflix. I don't know who Roxanne Chante is. All right. That's what I'm I'm saying. Roxanne, Roxanne. Yeah, but then there was Roxanne's Revenge. All right. I don't know either of those references. Anyway, we we don't know who Roxanne is. But we do know who Angela Black China White is. Do you have any Black China news? Doing a piece of China. 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 I'm talking China. The Black China Report. Here's Kurt Fitzpatrick. 
Well, yes, Black China is around. Okay, so this is from People Magazine. Um, Black China is reflecting on her past cosmetic surgeries. Speaking with Entertainment Tonight in an interview published Wednesday, the 35-year-old said that her procedures didn't represent who she was internally. The star, whose real name is Angela White, also discussed her decision to undo several of her surgeries, including removing her breast implants, having a butt reduction, and dissolving her facial fillers, noting that it was important for her to change her outside self as well as who she was inside because of the things that I am attracting, she said. You have to think about it like this. Whatever we put on the outside is the first thing. I could look at you and make any assumption right until you start speaking to me. So my thing is, before you even start talking to me or give me a chance, I want you to see, okay, this is a well-rounded woman, she told E.T. Not only these types of boobs and a big butt and the big lips, it's just like, ah, it put me in this category where that's not really who I am internally opening up about why she got the procedure done in the first place, China revealed it was always something to set, always something to set a trend. Even for my cheek piercings that I had, all the girls went and got that. She said, I used to have super low bangs and all the girls love that, the tattoos and this and that. And it's like one of those things to where it's like, Hey, look at me. Once you get to that, Hey, look at me point. It's like, what then? The mom of two also discussed removing one of her tattoos, noting there is no way possible for her to get rid of all her body ink, however. So she says, it's just one specific tattoo I'm going to remove. I'm getting removed. I'll tell you this. It stings very, 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 very bad, but it's fast, China said. It was definitely something very personal. I felt as though it was attracting the wrong energy on me. So we could keep that. She also mentions her house is clean. She's keeping her house clean. Well, that's good. Um, house is calm. She's vocal about this very transformational period. She's, she puts her, her mindset as workout, sobriety in the Bible. So she's got oh. that going on. And so that's pretty much it. That's from uh, People Magazine. That's just, so she's moving up in the journalism world. I heard tattoo removal, like, hurts like hell. That's what she said. That's, that's, that's what Kurt quoted her as saying. Do I have a tattoo? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think you do. I think Jason does. I don't. No. You don't. No. Okay. Hmm. Well, I don't either. I mean, I, I wouldn't just... mind getting one, but I would be very mindful about it because I, you know, it's something that's going to be there forever. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I used to volunteer. I used to teach kids swimming and i was like one of the few like instructors who, did, who didn't have a tattoo and, and i i like i like ink i do and i seen you know being in la which i'm sure you being uh, you know in in new york as well you see some good work and some good ink and it is an art but mm-hmm. sometimes people have some janky ones and I don't, I, and I don't, I, I don't get the trend now of people. I think the arms and the body is fine. I don't get the people putting the tattoo on the face thing. I don't either, oh, but, yeah. but you do you. Right. Oh no. If you want to do it. Yeah. And my thought, and yeah. my thought always when I see someone with a face tattoo, I'm not judging it. I've seen some beautiful ones. My thought is. Wow, if you ever want to get rid of that, that's gonna like mess you up. Yeah. That because it doesn't sound fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, back in the day, it was hard to get like uh, it might be hard to get a 
nine to five job with like a snake tattoo on your face. But nowadays it's more. It is. Well, that that's the thing is, and that's why I said protective. you do you is like, you know, 20 years ago, people would be poo-pooing even having a tattoo on your arm trying to get a job. And now Disney allows tattoos. Disney allows facial hair, which they never used uh-huh. to. And then there's a place, there used to be a place in Beverly Hills called Dr. Tadoff. I have heard of it. And he, yeah, he's, this guy, his claim to fame was he was a contestant on Big Brother and used his Big Brother fame to start Dr. Tadoff. And then Dr. Tadoff became yeah. like super popular. Smart guy. We, we should I make a, a pack. Do, oh, go I ahead, do. Kurt. Sorry. Oh, no, I have a couple celebrity net worths that I thought you would. Oh, yes. We we do this sometimes. Okay. So here's from the early 90s. Um, Let's start. Oh, did you have have a uh, theme song? I don't have a a theme song for celebrity net worth now. Oh, I I just saw you reaching for something. No, I'm typing in my show notes. All right, so let's go. Uh, Robin Givens. Robin Givens, former. No, we're supposed to guess, right? Uh, uh, former, yeah. uh, formerly married to Mike Tyson, has done a couple of series, but you don't really see her much anymore. I don't know her as endorsing a lot of stuff, so I'm going to say $3.8 million. I will say $2 million. Huh. Well, you guys are pretty close. I there's Well, there's actually some sites that are saying one. I believe that too. Like it says, this, there's there's one that says one to three, one says two, but there's a couple that says one. Like she only has one million dollars. I almost said two point six. That was my original, and then I I changed it to four point eight. But well, most so she's I believe she's fifty eight. So I, I believe most Americans at fifty eight probably don't have a million dollars. But I would I was surprised that that's all she has. She well, must have really mismanaged some things. Well. It, Keep in mind, when they're talking about a celebrity net worth, they're talking about their assets. And so she owns a home in L.A. Right. That alone is a million bucks right there. They're saying she only has a million. Yeah. They're saying her net worth is – if her net worth is a million, that she's got a home. Or maybe she doesn't own a home. Maybe she rents a home. I don't know. And she still works, but she does, like, smaller scale stuff. She's like a lot of – She was also head of the class with – Brian Robbins, who's worth like 150 million, he's the head of Paramount. Well, yeah, the Brian, guy who played like <laughs> he, Brian, he, he had Bri- like a little role. Brian yeah. Robbins went from Paramount to being a TV producer to then he started this like um it was like a new media company that he sold for a whole fuck ton of money, and now he's like the the head of Viacom or that, is it Paramount or Viacom? I guess he's Paramount. But but, Paramount, yeah. but he already had money before he was at Paramount. Yeah, and then there's the other guy from Head of the Class too. Dan he's Schneider. Worth, he's worth a lot, also. Though. Yeah, because he produced a bunch of big hit shows. Yeah, one of which I was uh, on. Brian Robbins, net, Brian Robbins' net worth is 150 million. Whoa! I remember he was the hot one back then mm-hmm. too. He was hot. Robin yeah. Givens. Robin Givens should have married him. Right. right I got. I got well, another one. Be- I think didn't she date Brad Pitt before he was Brad Pitt? Yes, we've talked about it on this podcast, I believe. Hmm. Interesting. Oops. All right, here's my other one. Okay. This is my other one for the early '90s. Pauly Shore, my friend Pauly Shore, who I once hung out with in the Russian Turkish bathhouse in 
New York. Okay, so uh, Paul Shore's net worth. I bet he's like ten million. I'm gonna say thirty-two million. Damn. What? Yeah, you're uh, chasing your close. He's thirty. Yeah, because yeah. how are you guys getting this right? Because his mom yeah. owned the comedy store. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's also so, real estate. He made real estate investments over the years. Yeah. But then, so, so I'm wondering, so his mom owned the comedy store and since she passed away, does he now own it? Uh, oh, I, I think he might have research. siblings, but yeah, he probably owns part of that. And even just yeah. the real estate on that alone a, a venue on Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood. Uh, then if oh, he, they own the he, property? Probably. I'm sure they do. Yeah, because they've I'm been around. Sure that place has been around since the 70s when nobody wanted yeah. to be on Sunset, so they probably own it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I was reading that he bought a house. Mm-hmm. He rented the house for like a ton of money, and then he sold the house some years later for like a huge a huge amount of money. Yeah. So he, and, that, he and that's a pretty common thing with, with any celebrity is they'll buy a house and you don't know that they own it. It's under like a pseudonym, but when they sell it, they'll always attach their name to it because the uh, the value goes way up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, those are my celebrity that was. I thought they'd uh, be harder to guess. No, Polly Shore, just because I knew that with his mom, I'm like, you know. Well, I factored they, in that, but no also like... He, he had multiple hit movies, so like if yeah. he wasn't completely wasting his money, which he probably wasn't, because he already had some level of um uh, of of uh, wealth growing up, that he probably wasn't what squandering it away. Money, I don't think she had as much money to start. He had some movies, and she he had, had like because like, Holly Shore has family, like generational wealth. But like Robin Givens was a a series regular when she was in her early twenties, so that show wasn't wasn't paying her that much money, and it's not like it runs perpetually in syndication where she's making a ton of residuals, and it's not like she's still making movies at any kind of great, you know, huge um, yeah. volume. Yeah, yeah, she still oh. works, but just not a lot. It's just like, like well, it's like passage oh. of time, simply. Yeah. She's still beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. But th- th- those are oh, good, though. Yeah. Those are good. How much do mm-hmm. we th- Oh, maybe you can look this one up, Kurt, or maybe you did, uh, since we're talking about this uh, TV pilot that starred Morris Day from Morris Day in the Time. Uh, what did, what's Morris Day's net worth? Uh, do you want to... Yes, there's a wide range of that, numbers let's coming see. up. Actually. I will guess Ooh, he's probably got some real estate, but like in Minneapolis, maybe not LA, so probably not as expensive. Um, right. He's written some some big hits, but I don't think he produces for other people. Mm. I'm Prince was s- writing a lot of those songs. Yeah. Uh, or Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who were in the time, who went on to great success. But Morris Day, I'm going to say Morris Day is worth about $1.8 million. Oh, there looks, there's a wide range here. It looks like it's the, the, the average I'm coming across is like three to four. Okay. There, there's one that says 10 million. 
Yeah. Okay. There's one that says, um, <laughs> there's one that says 215 million. <laughs> That's, I think true. this might be a mistake. <laughs> it says Morris Day, highest paid musician in the world. Wow. Well, that, I, I that. Congratulations to Morris Day. Unless he was getting lumped in with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and they were looking at you know what what kind of money they've made because they they might be in that. But they were like Janet. They have Janet Jackson. Yeah, they were huge producers for a while there. Yeah, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm looking at. Maybe there's a different Morris Day. No, how many Morris Day? How many millionaire Morris Days are there? The American musician actor has an estimated net worth of $250 million. He owes his fortune to smart stock investments, substantial property holdings, lucrative endorsement deals with CoverGirl Cosmetics. <laughs> Is this what? him? He also owns several restaurants, the Fat Day Burger Chain in Washington, a football team, the Minneapolis Angels. He oh, launched his own brand of vodka. This is this is what says Morris Day. I don't know if this is true. His own brand of vodka. Jeez, I can never start from Morris Day. And is tackling the juniors market with a top selling perfume with love from Morris and a fashion line called Morris Day Seduction. Wait, 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 ew. <laughs> Morris Day as a perfume? <laughs> like a teenage is girl mess. is like, you know who I want to smell like? Is I can't click on the site properly. 80s two hit me, wonder it Morris Day. Oh, this is nuts. Somebody, the AI wrote that. That can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think AI wrote the pilot for this TV show. No. 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 Maybe they should have. So my first, uh, my first thought about <laughs> this show, this show could not be made today. Oh, for many reasons. Yeah. So yes. the show, the show, the show by the way, is called Heart and Soul. <laughs> it was a TV pilot. Uh, it was not picked up to series, uh, although I think it was a pilot in contention at NBC because they did air it once. Yeah, okay. this, there would be cancellations. <laughs> okay, just let you guys know, I did look up Morse Day perfume. There's no Morse Day perfume. So that whatever that article website I looked at is had to be something. Because, yeah, would you spray it, it would go, ah! Yeah. <laughs> He's, I don't, let me see if he owns a football team, too. There's no way. <laughs> owns a football team. Well, why don't you look at the name of the perfume and the name of the team? Those real things? I'm just looking. Oh, I look, I, I look at uh, Morris Day owns a football team, and that same stupid website came up. It's the same thing. Jungle Love. He does not own a football team. I used to like that no. song, Jungle Love. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Get focused. <laughs> So, yes. So, fun like fact, this is actually kind of fascinating because this show was a pilot for NBC. It was actually the first pilot ever produced by Castle Rock Television. Um, this Ooh, didn't go to series, but do you, do you know what the second pilot from Castle Rock TV was? What? The Seinfeld Chronicles. Yeah, exactly. The Seinfeld Chronicles? That was the original name of Seinfeld. That was the pilot. Uh, yeah. So they were like, you know, sorry, Boris. Yeah. <laughs> one of these shows is going to hit. I watched the Seinfeld Chronicles aired in the summer mm-hmm. one year. Yep. And summer I, I of 89. watched it. I watched it with my mom. We sat and watched the Seinfeld Chronicles show without knowing. How could we have known? But I, I remember watching it. 
That's fine. I don't think Elaine was was on it. She wasn't. I, that's was correct. My favorite. I I believe Elaine was not in the pilot. Yes. No. Elaine, anyway. Elaine, was, Elaine was my favorite. So Heart and Soul so, is the sitcom. This is also famous for being – this is a Quincy Jones production, I believe, and this was the show. Um, Will Smith tells a story about how he, um, he, he was at a party, and he auditioned, I guess, for Quincy Jones. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. For, for somebody, effort, but he he auditioned for the, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and they gave him the script. So it must have been the show, because he right. said he got a script to a failed Morris Day pilot. Well, oh, that makes um, sense. He uh, could uh, he could have been the the male, like, the actual lead of the show. The other guy, he right. could have been that, or he could have been like one of the wacky uh, mailroom guys too. It was yeah. just a script for him to read. I think that I, I don't think it was like for him to actually. Well, this the, at that point though, you have to remember, show. like Will Smith was he ha- had the rap career, which was very big, but like a lot of people recognize, like this guy has a star quality to him. He's charming as hell. We need to get him on, like in front of people on screen. So they were trying to find something for him. Because wasn't this during Parents? Just don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But then so, he had an album after that. It didn't do as well. So, so we see these guys. They're in the mail room. Like I said, one of the guys starts talking, and I was like, ooh, this show could not be made today. Because the guy was white, but he, what do they call it now? He had a black sense. He had an ac- <laughs> affectation to, to be, yeah. how he was speaking. Now, this guy at the time was a very popular comedian, and I actually kind of liked familiar. him. Who was it? His name was, his name was, was Barry, Barry Sobel. Yeah, it was he, Barry Sobel? Yeah, that was Barry Sobel. Oh, jeez. Okay. And, and he was like, at that time, that was like at the height of his career. Well, they – what – was weird about it for me is that first I was like, ooh, that's a weird affectation to do for a character. And then later in the episode, he had a different affectation. And I think they were just trying to let him do like like broader, almost like sketch comedy kind of characters to give this show a little more laughter. But it wasn't really explained that that's what they were going to be doing with this guy. So it seemed like so out his, of nowhere. So his- so his that so his shtick at the time was doing that affectation, the black one. That was his stand-up, that song. was his whole stand-up career. Oh, was that? That's offensive because the affectation he had later in it sounded like he was making fun of gay people, and that was another one of his characters too. So he was like always on like solid gold and all of the shows. Yeah. I remember. And then he ended up writing for SNL after yeah. when he got, when he was older, because he was, he kind of started, I think he helped Jimmy Fallon a little bit. Like when Jimmy like he Fallon won an Emmy or something. Out. Like he won an Emmy, I think. But Jimmy Fallon was, he was kind of like helping him out when he's, when, when Jimmy Fallon was starting out. Then Jimmy Fallon got on SNL and I think he hooked him up with, uh, he hooked up Barry Sobel with, 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 with SNL as a writer. Yes. A little while. Okay. So, so, so they're watching, they're watching this girl group, and the girl group is very sexy, and the song was very '80s sounding. Are we sure that was Barry Sobel? Because I, I don't. No, it's totally Barry. Sobel. I did see Barry Sobel okay. in the credits, but I didn't. Yeah, I, did. I, I, totally I the name sounded familiar, but I didn't know who he was. 
Um, so, so, um, so, so then as they're watching it, Morris Day walks in doing Morris Day. The moon. Now this was, Purple Rain was 1984. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. 83 or 84. I think it's 84. 84. So this is four years after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but he's still at this point still like popular as hell yeah because remember prince went for a couple of years there where he was so white hot that he kept like there'd be a new act that he was producing it would come out every couple of weeks oh yeah yeah. vanity Vanity, six apollonia seven Mm -hmm. um, you know know prince discovered carmen electra right mm -hmm. yeah he wrote uh he wrote manic monday for the bangles under a pseudonym Right. And I do like one of his last discoveries that he left us with was Lizzo. Oh, I didn't know that that was a a discovery of his. Yeah. Lizzo, Lizzo was like one of his last. Oh. Did he Um, write a song for her? I didn't know if he wrote a song for her, but she, she talks about it. She was like affiliated with him. Because Lizzo's from well, Minneapolis. She, she's not, Lizzo's not from Minneapolis, but she lived in Minneapolis, and that's where she got her start, in Minneapolis. I thought she was from Houston. He wrote the uh, Shaka Khan song. He wrote that, Shaka Khan. Oh, I feel Shaka for you. Khan. Shaka right. Khan, let me rock it, let me rock Shaka Khan. Let me rock it, let me feel for you. Should I go light my Shaka, Shaka candle? Yes. Shaka yeah. Khan? Or my Khan, it's a Khan yeah. Sutra candle, yes. <laughs> I've talked about that. She gave me that. Who? Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan gave me a, a candle. A Sutra candle? No, a Kana Sutra candle. A Kana Sutra yes. <laughs> How it's labeled. Shaka Khan. She gave me that and you she know, gave I me would... a box of chocolates. Chocolates. True story. Well, you must get to eat those. They were good. Chocolates. This happened I... at a radio station? Mm-hmm. I actually had, it was, I, I had, I almost met Shaka Khan once. I was doing a show in Aspen and um, I was touring with the moth at the time. And so like Aspen, I don't know if you guys have been to Aspen, but the airport in Aspen is tiny. And so Shaka Khan was there doing a concert. And so I walk in, I'm leaving and I'm going through like the TSA and they're like, oh, and my dreads were long at the time. And they're like, oh, are you part of Shaka Khan's band? And I was like, no. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of racist. And then Shaka Khan came walking in behind me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I well, you have to take that back. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they thought you were Shaka Khan. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then Shaka Khan like was on my plane. Shaka Khan was on my flight out of Aspen. Shaka Khan. It's awesome. Like Shaka Khan. Oh, oh, so then, so then we're in the office. They're watching, and then of course, so I didn't get the secretary because we had like a sassy secretary, but she was like an older conservative it's, sassy secretary. It did. This is like I understand what they were trying to do is they were trying to have somebody be like sort of counterpoint to their youthful energy, but it wasn't necessary, and she felt no, out of place. And these guys were. It's not like. They were stuck with this woman. Like it was their company. It was it was uh, Curtis and Richards' record label. 
they could have hired anyone they want, and yet they hired this woman who is kind of mean to them? It didn't make sense. And it it was almost like a trope because she was like an older white lady. Yeah. So these, you know, it's like, you know, this is like a young, hip music record company. The majority of the people there are black. Yeah. Um, it is kind of diverse, but then they have like this older white lady as the secretary. And so it's like, yeah, like just this trope. And she's like mean to them pretty much. And just like, you kids, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like if, if they were going to have that kind of older white lady character on there, they needed to give her a role of some sort of authority over them. And maybe it's maybe it's like building manager or something like that where they're constantly at odds with her. But like having her be an employee of theirs didn't make any sense. And you know what I think would have worked better? Do you remember? Did you all did you both watch Who's the Boss and like Mona was like the hip older lady? Yeah, I think that would have worked better to have like a hip older white lady who was like in on it and just like just as hip as these guys were. Like, Actually, I mean, that she totally did that have the good, one yeah. line of dialogue that I did think was a genuinely funny joke in, in the episode where, uh, he, uh, was it Curtis, which is uh Morse's character at one point invites her into his office to see this new music video for one of their acts. Who's like a very attractive woman. Who's going to be wearing a very skimpy outfit and basically, you know, selling sex. And, she said that she uh, had it. Uh, she didn't need to. She had an obscene phone call that covered that last night. Like, I like the idea of like she had an obscene phone call, and like she laugh. stuck with it long enough <laughs> to actually be able to compare it to this music video. That's funny. That's good. So there you go. She she delivered a laugh. She did get a good zinger in. So 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 then. Um, Richard, so then one of, so Curtis is there and then his, his, uh, his co-president, like they were basically both presidents of the label, right? I guess they never really made it clear. So, so his co-president Richard comes in. Now I thought that Richard was hot. Yes, he was. Now, you know, Richard is the, the actor is Clark. Clark Johnson. Yes, because I Googled and him. He's been, yes, he's beefed up over the years. Um, and he Still looks, handsome. He, Still he handsome. looks good. He's, uh, he did some directing. He directed the, the SWAT movie in 2003. And he the actually, Sentinel. I was looking at his IMDb, and he's like still working and has worked a lot. Yes, he's definitely beefed oh, yeah. up. Still handsome. Still handsome, but yeah, he's he's had he's had like a pretty decent career. Um, yeah, but he, he says in, uh, he he says, and babysitting. He says he's done with the music industry. He's quitting, and he's going to become a music teacher. And I thought, oh my god, it's coming! I was hoping when, when that happened, I thought that Morris. Jay was going to have to become this music teacher. And I thought that that was, I thought, Oh, that's good. That that's a decent premise for the show. That would have been a very good premise. That actually like, would have been a great premise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, worst days, the teacher, he deals with the student. Yeah. Well, he almost like he, day. you know, he's this sort of a fish out of water thing. Like his friend, right. he's like, just come observe the class and, and like get to know these kids. And then Morris day ends up like actually 
you know, feeling for these kids and wanting to actually help them with their lives and right. decides to become a teacher. Like, that's a show. Right. Yeah, I think if they brought Morris Day a little more out, out of his element, and yet in his element. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, so then Richard's, so Richard's like, you know, I'm leaving, I'm quitting, I'm done. And then Curtis is like, no, you can't quit, Richard. We need you here. So then the singer, um, so they find out that they're getting their, one of their singers, Donnell, on The Tonight Show. This, this I felt so old when when this scene happened because they they didn't call it the tonight show they just referred to it as getting her on carson they said carson i was like oh wow that is so long ago right you remember and then he tells he says he he says uh tell ed mcmahon says to stop sending me all the mail yeah but I mean, right. just think about it. like this. This episode of television aired before Jay Leno's twenty-two years, including his brief break where he left the Tonight Show and Conan took over, and then uh, and now Jimmy Fallon's been hosting it for like seven or eight years. Like that's how long ago this thing aired, right? Yeah. And for um, you kids at home, Johnny Carson was better than Jay Leno and. Jimmy Fallon. Agreed. Basically, Johnny Johnny Carson. Like, if you were a comic, Johnny Carson made your career, or, or he could make your career. Yeah. Let's put it this way: Johnny Carson was way better than Jay Leno and Jimmy Fallon. Johnny Carson was significantly better than Conan. Yes. It depends Conan's on what spot. what you're rating better on, though. Conan well, pound Conan for pound I would put, I would does Conan a much funnier show he does great yeah. comedy bits great like it's sketch comedy more than is a talk show uh is not a really good interview in a short format like that he's actually quite good on his podcast though he like getting to talk more in depth but it was never good at sort of the hosty part of hosting i was putting carson high like probably like the highest then i was putting conan under him and then Jay Leno and Jimmy Fallon. Sig- mm, yeah. Oh, in terms far. of Tonight Show hosts specifically. Yes. Okay, that's fair. And so the singer, like her name was Donnell, like she's another one. A lot of the actors on this show, like she's another one, like she's still working and worked. She's worked a lot. Her name is Arnisha Walker. Okay. And she's another, like she's still working. Oh, okay. Look at how show business works. Like you, you kind of get into something. You do some like pilot like this, and look at all the people from this this pilot who like went on to other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so, you, like you never know. Look, look at these people. Like we're we're talking about Brian Robbins. Like who who would have expected that? So, so then we find out that they found a new singer, and the new singer has a conservative dad. Oh, because the next day Morris comes in and he's all Curtis is like dressed he's supposed to be conservative but all he's doing is wearing a pair of glasses that's different and he says well, he's wearing a suit like you would find it well like no a, wasn't that later in the episode well. the suit oh yeah I think that is a little bit later yeah oh then what do you guys have that happen next are we let's see let me see 
which well, we're just introduced now to the concept uh, of Jamie and her her conservative okay. dad Harlan. So Jamie was played by um, um, Gina, Gina Tisha Campbell, and her dad would was played by James Avery, Uncle Phil who, from Fresh Prince. Uncle Uncle Phil, who it was like. At first, he was so young at the time, like, I recognized the voice, and then I was like, oh my god, wait, is that Uncle Phil? He was very young. I mean, this is only, like, two or three years before Fresh Prince debuted. Well, he was a lot, he was a lot slimmer. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. He was a lot slimmer back then. And Tisha Campbell was very young. Yeah. Very young. Although she... She had already done um, Little Shop of Horrors by this point. That was a few years before this. Yeah, she looked young. Like, she looked young, though. I'm sure she was, what, like, 20, 21, but she looked like a teenager. Oh, for this? No, I bet you she would. If she was in Little Shop of Horrors, the movie, in 1985, so she's probably, like, 25 here. Oh, she she looked young, though. Was eighty six, or maybe because since she was supposed to be this conservative girl, like maybe like she wasn't wearing a lot of. Oh yeah, I mean they they were trying to to young her down for the role. Um. So so is this the part? So is so. So they've come in now, right? Mm Hmm. I think when they come in, he is wearing that suit. Because he was telling Richard, you you know, he, he's telling Richard, you can't quit, and, like, I've got to be conservative. Because didn't the, didn't the mean secretary come in and say, oh, my gosh, you look almost acceptable, or something like that? Yeah. Why is he playing Old Man River? He's playing a record of Old Man River. Because he's supposed to be conservative. He's, like, that, yeah, he uh, was trying to show that like, he's not all about this, like, you know, this young kid's rock and roll, essentially. Yeah. So he's playing Old Man River. River. Isn't okay. Yeah. I I questioned that too. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't even I'm get that curious. from a humor standpoint in the episode. I don't get. Yeah, I don't get that. I was just curious what the origin is. Old Man Rivers. Okay, so it's from the. It's a show tune from 1927. From Showboat. Musical Showboat. All right. Yeah, I don't think that you could do that today. I think that would get some blowback. They shouldn't have but done it on then. Showboat also has the song uh, "Cotton Blossom." Uh, <laughs> oh no, maybe this this shouldn't be revived. Yeah, yeah, you. Uh, I don't think that would go over so well. Today. All right, let's stop talking about Showboat. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've seen enough of that. It's like, Nyeh. so so then. Um, <laughs> How encouraging that was still something being discussed in the 80s, though, as a, a joke. But. <laughs> so, so, so then, like, you know, so, yes. they're saying, you know, Curtis is so conservative and we're so conservative and we're so, you know, and then. Oh, Jason, are you still there? I'm still here. I don't know why my camera went out. I'm here. Oh. And then Richard. They should have been. Richard is definitely. Richard is definitely like, you know, your straight laced person so he's pretty straight laced but then and they're and it looks like they look like they're winning the dad over but then donnell comes in in an outfit slutty outfit yes and uncle 
Bill sports a Woody. And it looks no. you know, like something that Prince would pick out for a lady. Actually. There were chains. <laughs> it was like kind of like a bustier. This was back when I think bustiers were becoming popular. Hey, I, I wonder if oh, Prince watched this show. I wonder if he's he a producer did. on it. He's a producer. No, I said I wonder if he was. He could have been. Because he was, no. yeah. Because Prince was big about using like secret names sometimes. Yeah, he was very controlling over Morris Day. So, yeah. Oh, was he really? Well, he wrote all the songs and all that for the when he's when he's, when he's in the group. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like Morris Jungle Day in the Love. Time. Yeah, yeah. He wrote those songs. America, have you heard? I think he did. <laughs> I love that. I used to have that. I think I probably still have it somewhere. Set. Um, yeah, it's uh, the time ice ice cream castles, ice cream <laughs> castles in the summertime. I I so, do like in this show. You know, like most sitcoms, no matter when in time they were done, there there's usually like a wacky next door neighbor that barges in with some wacky thing. And I like this show's version of that is this woman that's supposed to be a giant pop star. She just yeah. keeps barging in with her nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, so they're talking to the dad and then like, you know, and Rich and the dad likes Richard actually. Yeah. And Richard is like the straight laced person in this friendship anyway. And Richard's like a good, you know, hot man. Well, I don't know if, the, if that's why Uncle Phil was into it, but, but he certainly, but, I, I think because Curtis, Morris Day's character, was so over the top and was such a shyster, uh, like at every step of the way, it was so obvious. He just wanted somebody that wasn't a crazy person. Now Jamie was into Kurt into Richard. Yeah, duh. You know, um, but but then Richard is like, all of a sudden he's like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this, Jamie. You're on your own. I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't be in this career field anymore. And basically, screws Jamie over because the dad was like, I, like the dad, cause the dad didn't want her to have a music career, but then the dad was like, Richard, I trust Richard. So if Richard's involved with this, I know that Richard's gonna look out for you. So see, then you can do it. I don't see this. Like, I don't see this as screwing Jamie over though. The existence of Jamie and her music did not predate Richard already telling Curtis, hey, I'm going to go to teach. I don't want to be at the label anymore. So it should not be his burden to have to worry about this woman who he didn't sign. And then I got to tell you, during this whole scene, I kept on thinking, remember, did you, did you guys used to watch Martin? Every now and then. And I kept, I kept on thinking the song that she sang on Martin. You got to push. <laughs> was a good song. Okay. So then we go to, I guess, so now our Richard, I was trying to figure this out. So our Richard and Curtis roommates as well. Couldn't figure that That's out either. I was either. wondering too. Yeah. Couldn't figure that out as well. They, they probably left it open-ended 
if the show got picked up as to whether or not they needed that relationship or not. Because then they're at home. Yeah. They're, they're at home. Or, or It's at the um, very least Richard's home, but it might be both their home. Because Richard's at home and Curtis comes over, but Curtis just walks in the house. Yeah. He doesn't ring the doorbell or anything. But that could also be like young cocky guy. It's my and friend's sitcom, place thing. And sitcom and rules. Sitcom wise, I think that in a lot of sitcoms, older sitcoms, people would just walk in each other's houses. Yeah. That's typical thing. That well, actually one of the things I loved about Seinfeld is that Jerry would have to buzz people up and he would do that thing where he'd buzz them up and then he would like open his door and leave it ajar so they could come up and it wasn't locked. Like that's right. a thing that you actually do if you live in an apartment versus like friends, they're just going in and out of each other's apartments, nobody cares. Right. Yeah, that's rude. Oh, and then Richard tells Curtis, "Hey, I told Jamie to come over." And then Jamie comes over and Jamie's pissed. Jamie yells at Richard and she's basically like, look, you asshole, you blew this for me. She calls him scum. Yes. You're scum. And then they start talking and it turns into a voice lesson. Well, we learn that uh, we learn Richard's background as he was a singer. He once yeah. he once had to open for Merle Haggard. Right. <laughs> Which, now, do we know that Merle Haggard's audience are that aggressive? or? Well, but think of it this way. So Merle Haggard is a it's white country and western yeah. singer. Much older. Right. And Richard, I'm sure, was not a country and western singer. So I'm sure that that Richard was like probably like an R&B. Like his voice was very deep. So I could see him being like a smooth, you know, kind of like an Al or like a Luther Vandross. We didn't even know he was a performer until Pe- this. Uh, Pebo Bryson. So, so I'm sure that Richard's. I'm sure that Richard's sound and what Richard sang was different than a Merle Haggard audience yeah. wanted. No different than <laughs> okay. if you're a stand-up comedian that has to open for a musician. Oh, it's that's just, the worst. Yeah, it's just it's just that's- like like incompatible forms of entertainment for the night well well, here's a story because did you guys ever hear the story of how prince before prince was famous prince opened for like the rolling stones and so he he opened there was one night he was opening for the rolling stones and they were all booing him and like the whole thing about prince is no matter how much they booed him he wouldn't leave the stage and then they booed him. He finished his set. And then, like, Mick Jagger came and yelled at the audience and was like, this guy is going to be famous someday, and you don't even know the half of it. So it's kind of like that. that. And Mick Jagger ended up being right. There's, there was a rumor that on the album um, Around the World in a Day that there's a recording of the booing that's happening, but it's actually uh, during the song Pop Life. But it's not. We have to debunk that rumor. But I do love the fact, though, that, like, Mick Jagger, like, knew. Like, he just knew. He's like, this guy's gonna, you know, this guy's oh, going yeah. far. Oh, so so then Richard, so, oh, so then Jamie say something like, 
her voice when she sings like her voice closes up when she sings certain notes live. Yeah, she could only hit hit a her voice could only go up so high. I think it was. Yeah. And then Richard like touched her face and gave her a voice lesson. And I wrote Richard's hotness helped her sing. He's like Jesus. He just he cured her of her yes lack of hitting a high note. Yeah. And then, oh, and then, so after the Merle Haggard story, after she yells at him, she's like, if someone throws a boot at me, I'm going to throw it back before she storms out. Yeah, because somebody threw a boot at him during the Merle Haggard concert. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, I want this. If someone throws a boot at me, I'm going to throw it back. Hey, that works. Uh, that's very 2023 because now people yeah. are getting hit. Yes, they oh are. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. This show is ahead of its time. Who was <laughs> it that threw the sense. microphone back? Was it was it Cardi B oh, or Nicki Cardi Minaj? B. Yeah, Cardi B threw the microphone and almost got charged for it. But it's like, no, she's in the right. They were throwing things at her, hard things. Right. And I got to say that the fact that Cardi B threw the microphone back and beamed her in the head, that's like good aim, Cardi B. You know, something happened and maybe it was the maybe people got a little out of control. People stopped learning how to behave themselves during the COVID. But I remember hearing that when they reopened the Orlando Fringe, people saying the audiences were like kind of crazy. What do you mean? I forget what they were doing. Oh, this doing past summer? Some- no, I think it was the year before. It was like when they when they when they reopened it, and they're like these audiences. They they're, they're not they're just not behaving. Like they would, so they would yell at stuff during shows. They were doing something. I wasn't there. I heard this. I do think it. I do think it's weird though in these concerts how people are like. Cause didn't someone throw a phone at someone? Threw a phone. Someone... Like yeah, because it's not like. It's not like throwing your underwear like people used to do. Or it's like, like there was one where somebody got, I, I think the Cardi B one was actually a drink. Like that could be like if you get excited, you move your hands and the drink goes flying. I get that. But when you're physically right. trying to hit the artist that you've gone to see, that you've paid to see, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. Look at a sound. Because it's one thing, like, at Drake concerts lately, they've been throwing bras. Hey, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's quaint. Yeah, that's good. But, but yeah, you know, people throwing phones. Why, and why would you throw your own phone? Right. Like, the cowboy boot makes sense because it's like, okay, I don't like this. I'm going to kick you to the curb. And this is symbolic, a kick. But the phone is like, that's a thousand dollar item that you're just whizzing across the room because what you don't like their choice of song selection right oh so so then we go back to the office and barry sobel what was his name i forget his name i don't know but he was talking to uncle phil uh he was talking to I'm calling them Uncle Phil and oh Jamie yeah. and her dad yeah. or Uncle Phil and Gina. Mr. And, Sinclair. And he was like using his other affectation. Yeah, so he was right. talking with a lisp and he was dressed as a reverend. Yeah. So now, I enjoyed Dr. Phil, not Dr. Phil, but Uncle Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. <laughs> Uncle Phil. I liked I like Uncle Phil's just reaction to that to what what was going on. He just had this like, you know, He's like a stoic look. I think yeah. it, that was more uh, um, uh, James Avery, the actor, probably being the oldest one 
on set just thinking this thing isn't going to go to pile or it's not going to go to series. It's fine. They're paying me. I'll cash the check. All will be good. And maybe in a few years, I'll be on one of the biggest shows mm-hmm. <laughs> in the country and I'll never have to work a day again in my life. Nice. You know, yeah, I'll have two two at Vivs, but whatever. <laughs> so you will have to sneak in a production of Love Letters with one of those Aunt Vivs. Don't they all do Love Letters? Yeah. Don't you all have to like memorize them. a script. All, <laughs> all, all, all actors that at one point played a couple or should have played a couple will at some point in their late careers do a live production of Love Letters. It's, so wait a minute, I've never seen Love Letters. Are they reading off of a script on Love Letters? Yeah. No idea. It's, it's, it's not even like there's no blocking or anything. It's like two people standing on stage reading. You yeah. know how I feel about that, Kurt Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Sounds like a cash grab to me. Absolutely. I was just at the Minnesota Fringe and someone was like talking like, oh, my show is the shit. Da, 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 da. And they walked up on stage with the music stand and started reading. And I'm like, you don't like that. I did do a show. I did I, I, one show that I did like that. I have to admit. But. But. It's you know how I feel. Part of the, part of the you don't like it. It's fine. I have no problem anyway. with it if it's if it's presented as it's going to be a staged reading of some sort. I'm okay right. with that. Well, My show is kind of presented like it's sort of it's reading, and then I was and then I would go away from it, and it'd be different things. So it was kind but of that's fine. That's yeah. that, that's it, actually, it was a specific choice. I didn't do it. I didn't do it because I didn't know know the script. It'd be it would be it did it was a specific choice to present it like that. That's no, and Kurt, that's actually fine. It makes me mad when. People tout their shows like my show is going to be the shit. And then they come out and they read, but then that show gets compared to someone who actually like learned their show. And maybe it's not a good show, but they learned it. You know what I mean? It's like, anyway, that's my therapy. (laughs) I, I should take that up with my therapist. Money well spent. <laughs> so, oh, so, so then, why do they? So they start. So why do they start fighting? Who's fighting? Because they're all fighting, right? Well, somebody said they did a show with a script. Oh no, no, oh. <laughs> uh, no. Well, because <laughs> because the the. the Curtis walks in. You've got Barry Sobel talking with his offensive lisp. Richard shows up. He says he's not going to work with Jamie. Mr. Sinclair is going to like pull Jamie, like, and then he gives her shit, saying that uh, oh, because that Mr. Sinclair declares that Jamie's not going to sign with them. She's going to go to medical school, and then Richard shades her and says, uh, "Ask her if she was hit by a cowboy boot." And so then they all start bickering, and then Jamie just starts singing to like soothe the wild beasts. Right, like I'm telling Richard. you, I'm not going. No, you make me feel like a natural woman. She's and everybody that. shuts why up. Is, why is Richard so invested in this? I thought he wanted to go work somewhere else. What was wild about his reaction was it 
was played, it seemingly directed as if it was his first time ever hearing his daughter sing. Yeah. Which didn't make sense. That's what Which made yeah. no sense because yeah. he was like a stage dad. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Is this how the music industry worked back then? Yes. Sure. I... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Didn't this remind you? Did you all remember that TV show Throb? Yes. No. Oh, yeah. You, that, that doesn't sound like something I, I would watch. Well, uh, no, Jan- Jane leaves guys, us on it pre cheers. Because remember that, that, and Jason was talking mm-hmm. about it, that type of show, they were like these syndicated shows. Mm-hmm. Throb was one of them. It was set at a record All label right. called Throb Records. Yes. With Diana Canova. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and Jane Leaves. Jane Leaves and, and, and Jonathan Jane Prince. Uh, oh, God, he's gone on to something else. Uh, what is and he's, uh, well, doesn't he produce, didn't he produce game shows or something? He's like some kind of producer. I'm looking it up now because, yeah, he like went on to produce game? something really, really big that wasn't. Uh, oh, yeah. Gosh. Uh, I'm looking it up. Who's Jane Leaves? Jane Leaves, Daphne. She's Daphne oh, on Frasier. Frasier. I didn't really watch Frasier. Yeah, but she was, but she played Blue, and the, the whole thing is Blue would always tell Ooh. a story, and like this famous guy did blah 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 blah, and then they'd go, "Who was it? Who was it?" And she'd say, "Doesn't matter." That was like her shtick. Actually, like Rob. This says Paul Walker was on the show. He might have been probably like his dad's a kid. Yeah. See? So. Yeah. Like Diana Canova's kid. Um, yeah, Jonathan Prince went on to produce. Like, do you remember that show, American Dreams? It was on NBC for a few years. He created yeah. that show. Yes, with Eric the actor. He was on that show. <laughs> oh, from Howard Stern? Yeah. But um, That's the only reason I know that show. But yeah, this show reminded me of Throb. Well, yeah, it is the sitcom version of what they think um, the music industry really is, and it's very much not like that. Right. I like the end when they had the closing credits saying what was what was coming up next, and one of them was the Ted Bundy movie. Yeah. <laughs> Come oh, on, yeah. kids, gather around, gather around the TV. Wasn't that with what's his name? Um, 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 the old man, um... Red Fox. Red Fox is Ted Bundy. Could you imagine? I would watch that. I would watch that. Um, Ted or Brian Dennehy or someone like that. Brian Dennehy played Ted Bundy. He's too old too for that. Let me look. Didn't he? Wasn't it him or someone like that? I don't know. Bundy. Or was it? Mark, like or wait, or was it the guy from NCIS? Mark Harmon. No, I think it was the guy from NCIS. Mark Harmon. Oh, I think you're right. Oh, it might have been because right. this is like just after he's seen elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So Mark Harmon. Yeah. Mark yeah. Harmon played Ted Bundy. Like this was. Yes, his, you're right. You're right. This was his night, well, no, wait. bed. Yo, 1986. So there must have must have been a rerun of it. Because you know how you know how they have like you know Halle Berry had her monsters ball where she was less attractive. Um, you know, Farrah Fawcett had the burning bed. This was like Mark Harmon's burning bed. Yeah. Oh, I think he probably played it as a sexy, sexy bed. Well, yeah, like, did he do the movie before or after he was named People's Sexiest Man Alive? Wasn't he the first one? 
1986, it says, The Deliberate Stranger. Was he the first one? I believe Mark Harmon was the first person ever on People's Sexiest Been Alive. I believe so. He was the first sexy person. Before that, sexy people I've did never exist. found him attractive. I've never understood I saw Pandora. I, I went to Fig at Olive a few years, a couple of years ago and saw Pandora there having lunch. Yeah. Is Fig and Olive still there in West Hollywood? No, it closed. Uh, let's see. Okay. Well, that was a sitcom. Um, Morris Day did go on to have sitcom success. Where he With played what? Like a, he did a, a, a... Well, this... This only aired as a pilot. Yes. Right. It was a one, only one show they did. And I guess they did air it because it's available on YouTube. But then he did another show like a, a couple years later that actually ran for like four episodes. Four? Oh, so we yeah, had a success. I, I think four. it was like a UPN <laughs> show maybe. No, no, it was not. Look it up. Oh, That's funny. Uh, Mark Harmon was a success. Mark Harmon was the sec- second sexiest man alive. First one was Mel Gibson. Ew, that didn't age well. Oh, no. But back then it made sense. Wait, Morris Day's his, his successful sitcom was New Attitude. It was but like it ran ABC. I think it ran for about, it was six episodes. But it was part of ABC's TGIF lineup. Oh, okay. Oh, so was it after Urkel? I don't know. I don't have all that information, but... Lorenz Tate had a role in it. Uh, oh, Shirley oh. Ralph was on it. Yeah. Oh, that's like they're good actors. Both of them. I do remember Tate that. And Shirley. I never saw it. Never watched it, but. I watched I Urkel. I watched Step by Step with mm-hmm. Suzanne Summers and mm-hmm. Patrick Duffy. Mm-hmm. And. And Stacey Keenan from My Two Dads. Right. I think they should remake okay. My Two Dads. I was thinking about that the other day. It's such a ridiculous premise, but I could see it somehow working. Well, because it was, you know, at the time, it was two, and I'm putting in quotes, two straight guys that, <laughs> that they, they could just remake it and set it in West Hollywood and just have it like two gay well, guys. That's, that's a different home. show, though. The whole, the whole hook of that show. Was essentially the mob didn't know which of them had fathered her daughter. Mom dies, and the two guys are like, "Oh, let's just live together and raise her." It makes no sense. But listen, we can so it could be this. We could we could contemporize it. So the mom wanted to have a baby, and she had two sperm donors. Okay, but she died, and they fall in love with the girl, so they don't want to take an Ancestry.com test. So they all live together as a family. There you go. Still ridiculous. I still love it. Does she get to have two cute boyfriends that that are Giovanni Rubisi and Chad Allen? Because then I'm on board. Sure. And wasn't it Paul Reiser and the guy Mm -hmm. from... BJ Greg Evigan, yes. And you had Florence Stanley on there, and I believe Dick Butkus... Yeah. Oh my God! Who's yeah. Florence Stanley? Uh, she before this show, she played uh, Fish's wife on Fish. But is she like a lady with a voice like this? Yes. I know. You, you, oh, her too? Because because uh, Selma Diamond was in was in that. Yeah, camp this, as well. this is like Selma Diamond before Selma Diamond was Selma Diamond. Selma Diamond. Selma Diamond went to the like. Oh, I can get a role on TV if I if I chain smoke. School of Acting. Who else? Rosie, the quicker picker-upper. 
this is the casting pool. Yeah. But anybody listening to this show was like born after 1980. I don't know. Like Hell, even so, after so 1990, we are. Look at all these stuff you missed yeah. out on. Before Flo, there was Rosie. <laughs> well, Flo was a spinoff of Alice, too. No, not that Flo. Flo from Progressive. Yes. Oh, okay. Jeez, I'm sorry. I could, it was confusing flows. Yeah, before Flo from Progressive, not Florence Jean Castleberry from Alice, Flo, there oh was God. Rosie, her name. had a bunch of commercials, <laughs> and she had napkins or yeah, bounty. Uh, paper it was bounty. Towels. It's Nancy and Walker. But Nancy Walker it was already like she Nancy Walker played Rhoda's mom and at the same time she was playing Rhoda's mom, she was also a series regular on her own show, the Nancy Walker show. And then what didn't she Ooh. also direct Can't Stop the Music with the Village <laughs> People? I believe, this is that. true. She did, yes. Yeah, she did, she did, yeah. I think it's the only <laughs> movie she did direct. Yeah. She's yes, like the, the bounty Charles spokesperson. Rodden. Imagine, imagine if Flo from the Geico commercials directed a movie and 30 years from now it became a cult classic. Imagine. Right. Nancy Walker is like Charles Lawton, who only directed The Night of the Hunter. But Nancy Walker directed Can't Stop. What was it called? Can't Stop the Music. Can't, Can't Stop, the, stop music. the Music. With the Village with, People with and Steve Gutenberg. Bruce, Bruce Jenner. Oh, yeah, that's before right. Before... The, the former Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn, mm-hmm. but Bruce was Bruce, Bruce at the time. Back then, yep. Who knew? Isn't that like if if you were to go back and like tell me that you know one day Bruce Jenner is going to come out as trans and like? Well, if you notice, everything you look at from years years ago now looks weird. There's mm-hmm. something, something strange going on. Just imagine. People look at stuff that's happening right now. What does the future hold? Right. Today, that today, Rhea Perlman is in a movie that just made over a billion dollars. Yes. Who would have, who would have expected that? Yes. Right. And, and not just Rhea Perlman in the movie, but like she's playing like a very, very nice, gentle lady, very opposite right. of what she's known for. Carla is going to play a sweet lady. Yeah. <laughs> you just never know what, where things are going, where things are headed. <laughs> and Diane is going to, we, whatever, you, we, we, we won't even know what happened to her. No. Right? Is that funny? Is that crazy? Like, you know. Anyway. Well, it's a lot to take in. If you want to get a hold of me and discuss this craziness. You can find me at my website, lescorkadollbarrett.com, which I guess I better update with the show information. Mm-hmm. Or you can find me on Instagram at Kirkendall. Jason. Please rate and review our podcast wherever you listen to us. Uh, give us five stars. Helps other people find us. Uh, and uh, you can follow all of us on Instagram, Facebook, and threads at Lifetime of Hallmark Th- uh, Podcast. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Big Shot Jason. Kurt. Oh, I just updated my website, KurtFitzpatrick.com. It's Kurt with a K. You can find out about my information about my show, The Jester of All Maladies, playing at the Indianapolis Fringe Festival, first weekend of September, like it's first, second, third round there. And then I'm going to be the end, closer to the end of September, I'll be doing the Philadelphia Fringe Festival with my show, Beyond, Behind Every Great Merska Hargate is a great Kurt Fitzpatrick. 
And if you live in the Los Angeles area, you can see my show, The Real Black Swan, Confessions of America's First Black Drag Queen, uh, at the Lily Tomlin Jane Wagner Theater at the Gay and Lesbian Center. And for more information, you can go to www.celebrationtheater.com. Org, and it runs from August 31st to September 24th. So get your tickets. And if you do get tickets, make sure you stay and say hello. Because I'm actually nice. Sometimes. No, I'm nice. Well, they have to wait outside. Will you be greeting them at this? Like at the, the stage door outside? Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, and... and yeah, that's that's it. We've got to figure out something obscure to watch for next week. I'm actually really enjoying the stuff that we're watching so far. Me too. I, I'm starting. I'm starting to do like you know, look for stuff. So who knows what we're going to watch next week? But no, but we have some ideas. Yeah, we have ideas, and I'm starving, so I gotta go. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.